Welcome to the Product Hive Podcast. On this episode, we're bringing you the presentation from our May product event, where you'll hear from Jesse Harding. Jesse is currently a senior product manager at Weave. In this talk, Jesse will cover how creating a card game for Kickstarter taught him key insights when it comes to launching a new product or feature. The bulk of a product manager's time is usually spent nailing down desired outcomes with stakeholders, doing customer discovery, iterating with design, working with engineering, and managing scope. By the time the product is finished, most product managers are just ready to get it out the door. But there's a big difference between taking a product live and actually launching it. And understanding that launch is critical to your product success. A big thanks to Weave for hosting this meetup. And finally, be sure to join our community on Slack, where there's always lots of great conversation happening about UX, product management, and more. You can get an invite to our Slack group and find more information about Product Hive at ProductHive.org. So now, let's hear Jesse's talk. Don't sleep on your product launch. Learnings from my first Kickstarter. So I recently launched a game on Kickstarter and I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the lessons that I learned that, that apply broadly to, to product management and, and launching products. All right, so just a little bit about me to start. So I've spent most of my career um, kind of in the intersection between product and design. Worked for a lot of early stage startups and right now I'm at Weave. Uh, I've been here since January. I love it. Uh, it's a little later stage than, than I've worked for the last little while, and that's actually really nice. Um, but Weave's doing awesome stuff. Uh, very product-focused company, and I, I can't say enough good about what Weave's doing. Um, so to get started, about a year ago, I, I, wanted, I started thinking about launching a game on Kickstarter, and this slide represents how much I knew about launching a game and also about Kickstarter. I knew literally nothing about either of those things. But I had an idea. I thought, this is probably how, my, how, how much work it'll take. I'll probably spend a lot of time making a great game, and then I'll launch it on Kickstarter and just make hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Because it's, it's easy. That's what Kickstarter does. Um, so then I started researching, and this is just one uh, fairly prominent guy who who has all the information about how to launch on Kickstarter. And you can see some of these lessons. There's like lesson 241. And I started realizing this is, this is a lot of work. Um, and I learned something kind of sad. So if you build it, no one cares. <laughs> no one cares if you build a great product. And the reason no one cares so this is Kickstarter's game page. 45,000 games on Kickstarter right now. There's a lot of noise out there that you're, that you're competing with when you launch a game on Kickstarter. So just having a great game isn't enough, right? So what it ended up at when I, as, I, as I started going and, and, and launched on Kickstarter, I found that I actually spent as much time on the Kickstarter, on the launch, as I did on creating the game. That was not what I expected. And it actually ended up, it, it ended up delaying my, my game launch because I, I was spending so much time making sure that the, 
that the Kickstarter works. So I came up with the game. I, I spent I spent a lot of time on that, iterating. I'm not going to talk a ton about actual game creation today, but if you're interested in that, come talk to me after because I, I love talking about it. Uh, but I went through multiple iterations. There's a lot of people here who helped me play test it, get it in front of people. I launched it on Kickstarter and it got funded. It was awesome. I've got an awesome wife as well who let me keep 900 games on the dining room table. Um, <laughs> but that's a lot of games. That felt so cool to have all of those tangible things that I made like sitting on my dining room table. It was fun. But I had kind of an epiphany as I was going through this process because I realized this static that, that I was dealing with, all the noise that I was trying to break through and that I had to break through to have a successful Kickstarter campaign, isn't that different than the noise that we have to fight against as product managers? And I'm not even talking about competition. I'm talking about even just like, how do you make somebody notice that you have the new feature when they have all of these notifications? But how do you break through that noise plus the noise that your competition is putting out there? And I realized that I was I'd kind of focused on building product the same way that I had thought I could focus on building my Kickstarter. So make a great product and feature, ship it, move on to the next thing, right? No one cares. No one cares how great your product is unless you're able to get through that noise and tell them why they should care. I kind of boiled all of these down to, um, to three components that I think every product launch needs to have to break through, through the static. One of them is influence relevance, and then uniqueness. Um, and so I'm going to spend the, the bulk of the talk just talking through each of those and kind of lessons that I learned through the Kickstarter and how they apply to product launches broadly. Um, so let's start with influence. So this is embarrassing to say. When I started working on my game, I, I, I thought I was going to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. I was like, Exploding Kittens did it. They made $8.7 million. I mean, all I need to do is make a great game, right? Secret Hitler, 1.4 million. Unstable Unicorns made almost two. Even Trogdor um, made, made 1.4 million. So yeah, I thought, cool, make a great game, make a million bucks, sweet, I'm gonna do this. What's the advantage that these guys had that I didn't have? There's an audience already, right? Um, so just Matthew Inman, for example, he created Exploding Kittens. He's got 643,000 followers on Twitter. I had zero followers on Twitter um, because I hadn't created the game yet. And so and I didn't have a, a brand that had an audience. So the first thing I needed to do, I realized as I started kind of researching how to do this, is I had to get people talking about my game. And the thing I found as I started reaching out to people, um, to influencers, is there's two different kinds of influencers you'll, you'll find in whether it's social media or wherever you're looking for them. You might find someone with 30,000 followers but I found that the influence they have on their followers is more important than the number of followers. So an example is, if I found someone who had 30,000 followers, but I looked at all of their posts and there was no interaction at all, or maybe a couple likes, I would rather have somebody with 500 followers that all of their followers are super engaged um, with, with, with their posts and, how, and, and what they're doing out there. And so that was one of my first lessons learned, is like, don't, don't worry as much about how many followers the influencer has, worry more about can they actually influence people. And so I started building, I, I sent an early version of my game out to, um, to some influencers to, to just let them play it and, and get, you know, get their feedback, um, but also get, get the word out there about, about the game. Um, 
And one of the things that I found that was really cool with doing that early was I was able to include them in the journey. I wasn't sending them finished copies of the game. They still, they, they could actually weigh in on, on, uh, on the journey of the product development. I think that's, um, you know, we do that in product where we get customer feedback along the way. The really cool thing that happened by including the influencers in the journey was I get, I get quotes like this, like so much love for this game. The reason Ann Jones, who lives in the UK, this is a pub in England where they're playing my game. It's like pretty cool <laughs> to, to see that. But the reason she loves the game so much isn't because it's an awesome game, it's because she helped, she was a part of it. She helped create it. As an influencer, I reached out to her early. She's got 2,000 followers or so. Um, but she, she feels like she's a part of it and that makes her love, love that feature or that game. So another thing I want to talk about are internal influencers. Um, how many of you have thought of your customer success team, or your support team, or your sales team as influencers. This was something I learned coming here to Weave, is that these, these teams talk to customers a lot more than we do typically in product. They're, they're talking to customers all day long, and they can actually act as influencers. If we're able to, to show them, first off, if we're able to understand the, what motivates them and what incentives they have, we can use that to build products and to share products in a way that there's something in it for them to share it with their customers when they're talking to them and when they see a problem that that, that might solve. One of the things we do here at Weave is we've got um, some pretty good systems for reaching out to our internal uh, employees when we launch a product. So this is a template that we use that you can go through and see um, you know, train sales on the, on the new feature, train support, train onboarding, and really make sure that internally you're launching, that, you're launching your product or your feature internally as, as well as externally. One of our product managers here, Michael, ta taught me about this framework called ADCAR, and it's for internal organization changes. And I'm not going to go into, into super uh, detail in it, but basically you've got to create awareness You've got to create desire that ties back to the motivations and, in, and incentives um, that, that those internal influencers might have. Knowledge and, and ability to, to share that and you need to reinforce, check up with them. How are the customers liking this, this feature? What problems are you running into? Um, one of the cool things that, that Rachel, a product manager here did, she launched a, a feature recently and we have this money booth. So she created some training for the feature and, and then had employees here take the training. And if they took the training, they got a raffle ticket where they could get into the booth and try to grab a bunch of cash. And nothing motivates like money, right? So, but the cool thing about this is they were being trained on the, new pro on the new feature that was being released, so now they know about that feature. It created a lot of buzz and internal awareness about, about that feature that then those influencers can go out and share with, with Weave's customers. So another thing from the, from the influencer side is to become an influencer, yourself, an influencer yourself. Being a subject matter expert is kind of like influencer inception. Um, and I think as, as I looked at Kickstarter projects that were out there, a lot of them, if you looked at their social media or their blog, they were posting primarily about their own project and not about subject matter in general that would be interesting to their audience. So what I tried to do is I looked at some of the Kickstarter projects that, that had done well. I posted things that, were that I thought would be relevant to my audience, like, a, like an XKCD comic on time travel or a, another game that was coming out on Kickstarter. But this, this is not only relevant, but it also puts me out there as an influencer in time travel games. Um, and I'm able to start building an audience that way. So that's a good segue into uh, relevance. 
One of the really good pieces of feedback I got right when I started working on this was to go back a bunch of games. And so I went out and, and backed some games. And what that let me do was really be in the, in the shoes that my future customers were going to be in so that I could learn how were good Kickstarter projects doing it? How, how often were they communicating? How often were they sending updates? What was that experience like from the customer perspective? And then also just how were, how were they dealing with with all of the noise that's out there um, as far as competition goes. So this was a really, a really good way uh, for me to kind of get my, get my feet wet in Kickstarter. I had backed projects before, but I was looking at it at a at, in a different way now um, that, I, that I was going to start my own. So Product Hunt is a, is a decent way to do this from a product, product management or UX perspective. There's a lot of new products launching there and, and getting out there and testing them out and seeing kind of what are the different things that they do, especially if it's relevant to the audience that, that you're launching. But are they doing anything creative from a marketing perspective? Are they, how are they reaching their customers? I'm often guilty of when I get a, a survey, a product survey or an MPS survey, I just delete it. And I've, I feel really guilty when I do that because I'm sending those same surveys out and I don't want people to, to delete them. Um, so I try to participate more in those and, and see, okay, are they reaching out to me after? Um, what, are, what are they doing to, to drive that relevance and, and um, let me know about their product? So really what you want to be able to answer is who, who is my audience, where are they, where can I find them, and why do they need my product? And if you, can, if you can bundle that into your product launch, so who are they? I know who, you, I, I know who my audience is. Where are they? Where can, I, where can I find them? And why should they use my product? Then, the, then, then you'll have a product that, that resonates. We've got an example here of, of just relevance. So this beautiful website is called Board Game Geek. Everything I was reading about Kickstarter said, you got to advertise on Board Game Geek. If you're going to have a successful game on Kickstarter, advertise on Board Game Geek. So I reached out to, to Board Game Geek and I got the advertising. The minimum buy was $500. I was doing this just out of pocket, so $500 looked like a lot to, to advertise. But I started reading some of the posts on, on Board Game Geek. I'd used it before to, to get reviews, but it didn't feel like it was my audience. They were more into strategic games. My game's really simple. Uh, party game, um, kind of along the lines of Exploding Kittens. But it didn't feel like it was my audience. But I kind of felt like everything I read said I need to, to advertise on, on Board Game Geek, so I should probably just do it. What I ended up doing was reaching out to the guy in charge of advertising there, and I showed him my game, and I said, hey, you know, I'm, about to, I'm about to make a purchase. I just wanted you to look at this and see if, if you think your audience would like it. And he actually responded, and he said, uh, this is probably too small to read, but he said, yeah, your game's not going to do well here. It's silly. <laughs> we don't like silly, lighter games. Um, it's not the right audience. And he did say, there might be an audience for it, but it's not ours. I don't mean to be a bummer, but I'd rather be honest than have you spend the money. I was so glad that I did that research into, is this the right place to advertise my game? Because otherwise, I would have been out $500 and probably not had, had much return from it. So what I ended up doing um, along the lines of relevance was I went to Facebook. And Facebook let me create ads where I could actually say, okay, I want people who have interest, who are interested in casual games. I know that people who like Exploding Kittens will probably like this game. Most of you have probably looked at Facebook advertising before, but you can get into some pretty good detail so that your ad is shown to people in, in, this, in the same target audience that you're looking for. So there's no better way to create a product that resonates than to make something relevant.
Um, and again, you need to know who your audience is, where they are, and why they, why they need your product to create that, that resonance and the relevance. One thing we do here at Weave to create relevance, we use Pendo, um, and we'll create Pendo guides right within our product that pop up. They may pop up just when you log in, they may pop up in a relevant time in your experience, um, but they, they'll take you through a new feature, they'll, sh they'll uh, tell you about a, a premium feature that we have. Another really cool thing we do with the Pendo Guides is, is advertise these loop webinars. And this is something awesome that, that Weave does that I would highly suggest that you, that you adopt if you're not already. So we do these customer webinars, product team, sometimes the CEO, sometimes our training team we get on, we, we usually have a few hundred customers that'll get on and we either talk about new features, we talk about maybe a feature that, uh, that people don't know about and they're not using, but we'll go through and share how that feature works and why it's relevant to them. It's a great way to create relevance with your audience. We also take questions afterwards that we get hundreds of questions um, you know, on, that we're able to then use either in product development or to help, you know, to help customers get more out of, their, out of our product. So let's talk a little bit about uniqueness. Launching a Kickstarter campaign, the pieces of feedback that I kept getting was you need to have really clear messaging and then you have to have standout content, like something, something that really stands out. So an example of clear messaging, um, those of you who, who have been on Kickstarter a lot, the rewards are, are typically very unclear. You go in and see, you know, a lot, of, a lot of products on Kickstarter will have 15 different reward levels and you don't really know what you're getting and the, the feedback I was reading was, don't have more than three, make, them, make, make it really obvious what you're getting. Don't try to add t-shirts and, and all of this other stuff, just make it really clear. And I think that's just great, a great practice across any product launch. Just make the value prop super clear and, and obvious. It's super important when you, when you launch a, a, a new feature or a product that you're able to really succinctly share the value prop, right? And so um, I think it's always good practice to just tell somebody what you're, what you're shipping. If you can't say it in a sentence or two, it, it might be too complicated. Um, one of the things we do here is we've got um, a product brief that we fill out. And one of the very first things you have to fill out is the billboard like what the billboard would say for your feature or product. And it's super helpful because it makes you think, man, I've got like six words. How am I going to describe what this feature is? Uh, if it takes more than that, you might need to, to hone it in a little bit. More features does not make it unique. It's actually the opposite, right? More features makes it generic because everybody can add more features. It's actually more of a skill to be able to pull the features out. So the way I like to think about it is do less so that you can polish more. So that first release of your feature, do a little bit less and make it super awesome. Some people call this uh, MLP, minimum lovable product. Whatever you call it, just pull some stuff out and make, make the thing that you release super clear and, and super, or super obvious what the value prop is. And that actually in and of itself is unique because um, not very many people do that. So one of the things, one of the interesting things that, uh, that I kept reading also as I was launching this Kickstarter is you have to have a video um, I, I spent a bunch of time on a video and, and it, it, it resonated really well. I think with between iMovie and Fiverr, I got a, a professional voiceover on Fiverr for like $30 and it just it made it feel like a real game. I'm convinced that's one of the reasons that I was able to, uh, to actually fund, fund my Kickstarter and hit my goal. Um, we do something similar at, at Weave that's really fun. We do, we do videos. I'm going to show you a little bit of one, um, but we do... We do these videos and they, they end up 
is they impact the internal influencers. So this gets posted on Slack, everybody's, everybody loves it, everybody's laughing. And again, it's creating that awareness of, the, of the, the new feature that got released. It's also something that external influencers can see. And then it's also something that our customers see. It kind of gives them a little bit about our personality, um, but it teaches them how the feature works as well. So just to, to wrap up on, on uniqueness, creative, like a, a creative video is huge. They're easy to do iMovie, anyone can use it. Clever content, infographics, social media, anything like that can create that uniqueness that makes your, your product stand out and go through the noise. So just to wrap up, spend a little bit more time on the next, the next feature that you, that you release. Really launch it. Don't just go live, launch it and tell people about it. Leverage both your external and your inter internal influencers. Understand and communicate who your product is or who your product is for and why they need it and then create a clear value prop and memorable content. Thanks. A big thanks to Jesse for presenting, and again to Weave for hosting the event. If you learned some things from Jesse's talk, be sure to share it with your team, or share it on Twitter, and mention us at product underscore hive. Sharing these talks is a great way to support Product Hive. As always, be sure to check out all our upcoming events, you can find them by searching for Product Hive on meetup.com. And while you're there, go ahead and join the group so you always get the latest updates. We also have a YouTube channel where you can find videos of all the past talks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your feed soon, and we'll see you at one of our next events.